As the Taliban swept through Afghanistan in August last year, following the U.S. military withdrawal, the collapse of President Ashraf Ghani's government was inevitable. Most of the former government's top officials, including Ghani himself, fled the country, triggering chaos and uncertainty among Afghans. But not all of them had the opportunity or the will to leave Kabul. Ghani's Deputy Minister of Finance, Nazir Kabiri, stayed home. The US-educated technocrat anticipated the financial challenges such a political change could bring to Afghanistan. And the Taliban kept Kabiri in his post. Will he succeed in his efforts to prevent a complete economic collapse? And as the Biden administration frees up $7 billion the Afghan central bank had in US banks, what's the plan moving forward? Afghanistan's Deputy Minister of Finance, Nazir Kabiri, talks to Al Jazeera. Nazir Kabiri, thank you so much for talking to Al Jazeera. Today, I want to start back in August when the Taliban took over. Where were you that day? Were you in Kabul? I was in Kabul mm -hmm. in my office uh, when they, they came over mm. to the ministry at 5.30 p.m. in the evening. Mm. And I handed them over the keys to the Ministry of Finance in Afghanistan. You must have felt it was coming. We all knew that they were taking territory by territory, region by region. But, uh, I mean, the, the speed and the the extraordinary events of that day. Tell me what it was like. It was uh, unpredictable in that uh, the Kabul administration uh, evacuated uh, in, a, in a very uh, unprecedented manner and that I think created some, some chaos uh, while the Taliban made it public uh, earlier in the morning that they are not going to be entering the, the, the capital city mm. but the developments that day that the president flee and the authorities left the country, I think, uh, led the Taliban uh, to come over and that they changed their announcement saying that now we're going to enter the city. So in your department, in your building, they come in there and uh, are you sitting there thinking, do I need to get out? Or were you, were you calm about it all? Did you think, actually, yeah, this, will, this will be okay, I'll, I'll keep my job? I, I'm just, I, I can't imagine what it was like that day. Uh, we have some 3,000 uh, people mm. uh, working for us at the, uh, in, the, in the main offices mm. in Kabul. And that almost everyone had left, including the women and, and, and the rest of our employees. And that I had a responsibility as a caretaker. My minister had to leave uh, a week before the collapse. And right. that the property, the, the, the systems, and the vehicles, uh, uh, everything. I was in charge and I had to uh, ensure that those are not being stolen, mm. they are not being robbed, and that uh, I also do a, a peaceful handover. So how quickly did you know that you would be staying in your job? Or, or did you just always intend to stay in your job? I'm wondering, does, do, do, the, do the Taliban come in and say, Nazir, we want you to stay on, we want you to keep doing your job, or was it your decision? Initially, it was the food soldiers, and that's uh, why it was dangerous mm. to face them, and that the Ministry of Finance perceived an institution uh, involving uh, money and uh, mismanagement uh, historically. So that was dangerous. It was uh, unpredictable. But later on, uh, when, when, they, when their, the senior management came, and that, uh, I wrote them a letter, a handover note, 
And that they followed up on that, saying that uh, we need you to come and explain this uh, in, in a very plain uh, manner, in a very uh, public-friendly manner, so they understand. And that, that led to, to continuing, and that uh, basically for me it was uh, the realities, the figures and the number that I knew and how bad they were. Mm. Uh, country was uh, uh, facing uh, severe drought, uh, displacement uh, due to the intensified war mm. and the implications of the COVID and that the great degree of uh, aid dependency, mm. which was simply unsustainable and that I knew the chaos that might follow afterwards and that the people will suffer. So those uh, uh, became uh, some sort of uh, uh, motivations uh, to, to, to rescue it and to continue. Motivation, this is what I was going to ask you about, the fact that you're probably sitting there thinking, I'm here to serve the country, and that has to come first. Even with all this political chaos and even with what people may think of the Taliban, you're thinking, I've got to look after my country here. Is that what was foremost in your mind? Absolutely, absolutely. I knew uh, that uh, the economics uh, must be delivered to the people and that we prevent and preserve whatever uh, possible. Mm. And the absence of collapse of the international aid system overnight and that, uh, the, that the system belonged to the people. Uh, Ministry of Finance is a public institution. It existed uh, for, a, for a close to a, to a century. Mm. And that the institutions, the banks, the private sector, uh, the businesses, uh, they all belong to the people of Afghanistan and that regimes change, people change, politicians change. And that I as a technocrat, uh, I felt like I, it's my responsibility to ensure, to, to deliver and that uh, retain some of those achievements and gains uh, to, to reinstall the centralized revenue system, otherwise falling apart. Yeah. Uh, and the, in the run-up to Taliban's taking over the country, the, the budget was in chaos. Uh, half of our national budget disappeared overnight. Uh, hundreds, D uh, hundreds of disappeared uh, for me. Afghanistan heavily relied on international aid. Uh, last two years, uh, we, with the international community, uh, blame goes to the to the both parties. We built that system, which was simply unsustainable. 75% of the public expenditure in the country was paid by the international aid. And that simply was not sustainable. It was fragile, it mm. was collapsing, and it did. And that the fallout, managing the consequence of those hundreds of thousands of contractors unpaid, mm. uh, salaries unpaid, projects half finished, 90% complete, uh, unpaid. And those, uh, I think, uh, what happened to Afghanistan was extremely uh, disappointing. It was unjust. Uh, everyone turned their back at us, the international system the international aid agencies, the developing institutions, overnight. And then followed with the sanctions, and that the poor, the people who lived there, they, are, they, they were all ready, even before the collapse of the previous regime, were extremely vulnerable. Yeah. And that half of the country uh, were under the poverty line, and that the harsh winter was uh, coming. And, and then overnight it just gets all worse, just like that, just like that. You referred to yourself earlier as a, as a technocrat. Can I read you uh, a headline that I just picked here from the Washington Post? Afghanistan desperately needs aid. One technocrat from the former government is key to the Taliban's efforts. That's you. Did, did you feel pressure on you at that point to deliver or to just keep doing the job that you'd been doing, which had just got a whole lot more difficult? Well, I, I, I felt like the, the, there's no way to... Uh 
to turn our back to the people otherwise we were supposed to to, to help and, and, and protect. And that uh, it was 100 times more complicated. Uh, but at the same time, I saw a moment of change, a moment of opportunity at the same time, that we are, we are committed to be breaking away from this culture of aid dependency, mm -hmm. from this culture of corruption, and uh, from insecurity. And that also was a positive factor to continue in. Those things you mentioned are the big picture. That is what you want Afghanistan to be, to be more self-sufficient, to be less reliant on aid. That is completely understandable. But right now there is an acute problem of, of uh, people without food and shelter, malnutrition. It's wintertime, all of these things. And you've got an international community that is still reluctant to deal directly with the Taliban, which now governs Afghanistan. You can understand that, right? You can understand the reluctance. How do you get around it? That we uh, appreciate their, their assistance and that there's a need, a desperate need uh, for the people to, to be fed. And that, that's a, a, a global responsibility. Mm. And that uh, we, we, we provided uh, the access and that we ensure that the new authorities understand the importance of the humanitarian aid. Mm. That, and also the understanding that feeding the people is the de the, the facto authority's responsibility. Mm. And that the interim government understands the importance of aid and that the people are desperate and that we need to you know, deliver basic services like education, like health, and that the international community's role is understood. Mm -hmm. And the UN, uh, the partnership with the UN is uh, understood and that we are delivering on the uh, commitments uh, to ensure that there's security, there's safety, there's impartiality, there's no discrimination and distribution of aid and that the understanding that the aid is not channeled uh, at the moment through mm. the government systems and mm -hmm. that we also do monitoring and to ensure there's no corruption and that there's no mismanagement and that we benefit, uh, the system benefit uh, from the international aid in, in a manner that the, the procurement is done locally and that there's enough liquidity in the system to deliver. So these uh, ha have been the agendas mm. uh, for the last six months. What happened to the Afghanistan Relief Fund, which Pakistan talked about setting up? And they were saying, if countries want to donate, they can donate through us and we will make sure the money gets to the, to the right people. What's happened with that? And is that the model? which you think will work going forward, for the interim at least? We appreciate the generosity uh, by our neighboring countries, many of them offering support, but uh, uh, the Afghanistan has changed. The capacity that we have uh, still in the country and that the, the, the systems which are there, mm. uh, and that the international community's uh, representation by the UN is there and that we, we manage these agendas domestically, and that the, the OIC, uh, committed a trust fund in Pakistan uh, during their their conference uh, right. in Pakistan, and that Pakistanis also have been helpful the same way Iranians and Chinese and rest of our neighbors. But more than that, uh, we we require access uh, to trade uh, and to 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 do more uh, businesses with our neighbors, and that uh, their capacity in delivering humanitarian assistance is limited, mm. and that also we do a lot of procurement from Central Asia, from, from South Asia. Uh, but we also understand that uh, humanitarian is not enough and that we have to move beyond humanitarian and that we have to do economic recovery and that we have to uh, 
protect people's livelihoods. Which is what Afghanistan was trying to do for 20 years, wasn't it? Absolutely. And that, of course, in an, in an insecure, in a, in a, in a conflict-affected situation, uh, in a situation where uh, we couldn't, uh, the cost of uh, development was uh, high, mm. the security premium to development was high, uh, there was uh, unpredictable uh, situation and that they we didn't have political stability. Mm. So to that end, uh, it's now changed. Uh, they are, they are, this, this seems to be more conducive now. Really? Uh, um, I was going to say, when you said there wasn't political stability, I was thinking, well, there not there a lack of political stability now, at least uh, when it comes to Afghanistan dealing with the rest of the world? Absolutely. That's a prerequisite and that the politicians have to look into it. And that is... Uh, uh, important and uh, also equally is a corruption-free environment, mm. which wasn't the case in the previous system, uh, and that the security, the access, uh, wasn't there. So these two pre prerequisites, uh, even if the government is under sanction mm. and that the money is uh, at the moment not channeled through the, the system, through the budget, uh, but uh, the private sector, mm. the authorities are very private sector friendly and that we recognize the role of market and that the market can create jobs, the market can uh, deliver uh, uh, on, on trade and transit, and the market can, protect, uh, can, can do SMEs in, in, in the agriculture sector and the mining sector. So those uh, comes handy to, to do a private sector-led recovery and then followed by, by connectivity and trade facilitation with India, with, with Pakistan, with India, of course, uh, that's one of our largest uh, uh, importers. We export to India a lot. And with Iran and the rest of the Central Asian countries, and that's Afghanistan's comparative advantage between Central Asia and South Asia right. in the long term. But as you said, in, in, in the, in the, at the moment, we, we focus on humanitarian and humanitarian be, uh, plus some sort of uh, initiatives to protect people's livelihoods and, 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 and sustain their resilience, and that feeding people it's not sustainable and that we need to ensure that we start developing projects and that uh, uh, also we have to break away from this culture of dependency. Yeah. We have to focus on real uh, self-sufficiency mm. and that it's going to be painful. It's mm. going to be uh, uh, requiring a lot of patience. But the way forward is to build the, the recover, build the Afghan economy based on solid foundations, not on a foundation similar to what it was with 75% of dependency mm. and that, uh, that an international aid regime collapsing. It, it, it should never ever happen no. to any other country. Mm. That was cruel. That was, that was un, unjust, unfair uh, to the people of Afghanistan and that they failed the international community to delink politics from economics which is actually what I'm going to do right now and go back to politics and economics. I want to address the uh, $7 billion question, the $7 billion which the United States from the Afghan Central Bank had frozen in New York. President Biden signs an executive order and says half's going to go to Afghanistan and half is going to go to the families of 9-11 victims. I dare say you'd be very pleased with $3.5 billion, but are you disappointed about the other three and a half billion or that this money, this money which came from the Afghan Central Bank isn't being returned in whole to the country? Uh, the reserve uh, uh, was not supposed to be dispersed anyway. That is the uh, backup and that is the backbone of the Afghan currency and mm. that it was deposited uh, for a purpose and that we do banking uh, functions mm. uh, using those uh, assets abroad 
and that they are frozen now, which is unfortunate, and that uh, uh, there is uh, some parts of it is subject to litigation uh, uh, in, the, in the U.S. courts, and that we, we believe that uh, a decision in the favor of Afghan people is made, and that, that is, uh, uh, we also sacrifice with the victims of uh, September 11. Mm. Uh, the, the executive order doesn't suggest that the money uh, go to the to the victims. It's subject to the further legal processes. Right. And uh, the, the remaining 3.5 uh, also uh, to be used for, for banking uh, purposes. It's not the money to be dispersed for humanitarian purposes. Right. It's not the money to be dispersed in the first place. Mm. And that those are reserves and that we will do international correspondent uh, banking uh, with the uh, international community and with the, with the, with the, for the trading purposes. And how much of a difference will that make? What can be done with that? How, how significant can that sum be to the system that you described? That's absolutely vital. That will ensure liquidity, that will ensure a smooth trade, uh, that we need to be paying uh, 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 businesses abroad for imports of basic commodities uh, allowed by the U.S. Treasury and was by those of uh, the licenses, and those are not being sanctioned, like mm. food, like like fuel, uh, like gas, and that, those items are uh, desperately needed, and that those uh, functions of the central bank uh, without the reserves are impossible. Mm. So we are looking forward that the mechanism is being designed and that the central bank have access uh, to those reserves. But that doesn't necessarily mean disbursing those, those uh, assets. So let's look forward as we try to keep doing. Uh, politically speaking, there is still work to be done when it comes to uh, the international community recognising the Taliban as the rulers of Afghanistan. Um, how do you work around that in the meantime? While all that political, because you were talking about decoupling politics and economics, so while all that political situation is going on there, how difficult or otherwise is it for you to get people, countries and financial institutions to take part in the Afghan economy effectively? Uh, it's in their best interest to continue their engagement and to, to uh, pay their dues to the people of Afghanistan affected by the years of war and, and and in poverty and, and conflict and drought. Uh, and that otherwise, if the situation is not maintained inside the Afghan territory, uh, people will, 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 will be forced to, to leave their, their, their country, their homes. Is that uh, what for, you say to them? Then? Do you say that it's in your, it's in your best interests? <laughs> it's in the best interests of Afghans. Oh, it's in the best interests yeah. of the international system that we work together hmm. uh, and that the, the, the services are being provided to the people and that uh, in a dignified manner and that the humanitarian assistance is important and mm. that uh, the guarantees that the money is not transferred to the government systems and that uh, we also have to work together to move beyond the, the, the humanitarian narrative uh, to do some, some basic uh, economics mm. like agriculture, like roads, like schools, like hospitals. Uh, and those uh, also requires uh, mutual understanding and, as I said, uh, delinking politics from economics and that the beneficiary of those services, whether functioning banks, functional Ministry of Finance, a functional passport office mm. uh, and a healthcare system is uh, directly benefiting the people of Afghanistan. And are they responsive to you? 
positively uh, responsive, these institutions and, and banks and, and countries? They unfortunately have not moved uh, beyond the humanitarian agenda right. in that they have uh, politicized the aid uh, regime and that uh, they, 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 they didn't stay to, to, to protect some of the gains that we together otherwise have achieved in the, in the financial sector and the, in, in, the, in the public uh, services sector. Uh, and in the in the Afghan economy, uh, so to that end, uh, we also uh, realize uh, the harsh realities, and that we have to uh, start afresh and to break away uh, from this culture of dependency and to use it as an opportunity. Mm. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult, but we have to believe and deliver on a on a real self-reliance, and that we have the potentials. The younger generation of Afghanistan. Uh, should provide it with the opportunity to deliver differently. Mm. Uh, some blame goes to the international community the way they handled Afghanistan last 20 years, uh, and that a lot of blame goes to, to elites, to the politicians who failed Afghanistan, mm. who failed elections, who wrecked elections, and at the same time who didn't, who didn't invest in youths and that they played ethnic politics, divisions, and then at the same time they failed to deliver uh, on, the, uh, on the economy, as well as they failed the peace process eventually. That led to the situation that we are now. And that, of course, requires a fresh bread and a fresh uh, start, and that also uh, corruption-free and, and, and uh, more stabilized uh, a political system to, to ensure that there is guarantees to the economic... And, and you think all of those qualities exist in, in the youth of Afghanistan? Those qualities exist in the youth of Afghanistan, but unfortunately, and I can't blame them for leaving the, the, the country due to the uncertainty and that political failures associated with the, with the leaders before the, the Taliban, and that the international community also had to, to be... Uh, hold responsible uh, for some of their uh, uh, complications that uh, they didn't help Afghans uh, through a, 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 a peace process where things could have been much different. And I guess the best way of holding them responsible, as you say, is getting them to step up now. Is getting them to step up and that... Uh, um, because uh, backwards blaming isn't going to do anything now, is it? It's, it's got to be something positive and something constructive. And that they have started stepping up in economic, humanitarian front, in economic front, and that the narrative is that we will engage. Mm. And engagement doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean recognition, uh, as they believe, but that engagement is constructive. As I said, it's in the best interest of the people of Afghanistan and the best interest of the international community. Uh, and that uh, we need to uh, work together to change uh, the course of history. We are beautifully strategically located between uh, Central Asia and South Asia. Central Asia rich of uh, potential uh, natural resources and South Asia in need of those. Every single electricity transmission project uh, between the two subcontinents must pass through, Afghanistan. through Afghanistan. And right. uh, large projects including gas pipelines and fiber optics and, and cargoes uh, and, and so forth and so on. And that the Afghanistan's uh, own natural resources, estimated at around $1 trillion, uh, could be a potential. But at the heart of this, as you said, is political stability. 
Uh, otherwise, the capacity is there, the commitment is there, the potentials are there, and also the lessons learned are there, and those are very vital. We would never ever again allow that degree of aid dependency and that degree to, uh, of fragmentation and aid conditionality that led to this situation where the entire economy uh, was at the verge of collapse and a number of us uh, tried to preserve some of the, the systems. We have now a functional budget system and that we have a centralized revenue collection system and that we have revived the banks and that it's functional. Uh, and we are, we are hoping that we build on these and that we build our homogenous, endogenous uh, systems and that we, we are no longer that dependent to the international system. Nazir Kabiri, Afghanistan's Deputy Finance Minister, thank you so much for talking to Al Jazeera. Thank you. I appreciate it.